This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wood, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal Cast and YouTube. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Cabal Cast. Uh, this week, we've got a little, eh, it's kind of like a review, more or less. It's not going to be a set review, but... No. We're basically discussing what happens when you have some insanely pushed cards for a while, and then play design goes, well, maybe that wasn't the best idea ever, and we nerf stuff. So we're going to go look at some examples in the past, Mm -hmm. like Mirrodin was ridiculous, Kaladesh was ridiculous, stuff like that that happened, and basically how play design responded to those and Mm -hmm. what that means economically. Yeah. So... We're, we're going to stay away from things like Urza's Block because neither of us were playing during that point in time, really. Uh, I started my competitive play around Torment, so my experience is mainly with uh, Mirrodin. Yeah. Cards, when I was playing the heaviest, most heavily. And so I got to witness what R&D termed as you know, one of the largest pieces of power creep heading into the New World Order that they'd seen. Yeah. There was, through Mask's Block through Invasion Block, into Odyssey Block, into Onslaught Block. It was just power creep up and down. And then we finally moved planes. We got 8th edition, uh, our first core set with new borders since 4th. Uh, yeah. We had the new plane symbol, and then we had new borders. I think it was 4th. And then yeah, I think new, so. a new plane. We went to the Artifact Plane. And nothing goes wrong with artifacts. The game had no problems with artifacts before. Memory Jar, Tolarian Academy, fine cards. Voltaic Key, not an issue. They're so bad at this. Yeah, it's like there's lessons to be learned every time here. Every time. So we go to Mirrodin, and we have the end of an era, essentially, in regards to power creep. With the advent of Mirrodin, we get the affinity keyword. And there are only a handful of players in Mirrodin that work with Affinity. Namely, Archbound Worker, Frogmite, Chrome Mox, the Artifact Lands, Mirror Enforcer, and Broodstar. That's it. The format is still dominated by Onslaught Block, which is a heavy creature block, thanks to Legion. But the spells in that block are also insane. You have Red-White Slide coming out of the previous season after uh, the Wake deck had rotated out. Yeah. And you had a black-green rock-style deck uh, that played uh, the triple black card, Death Cloud, uh, out of Mirrodin. Yeah. And you had this weird Glumpy Wizards deck and Cleric Tribal that could gain infinite life because Dairu Spiritualist was in the set. And with yeah. Lightning Greaves, uh, you could just move Greaves back and forth to infinitely pump your Cleric and then sack it for, for life. It was great. Yep. There was a red-green beasts deck as well that just played Contested Cliffs from Onslaught, which was the second printing of the card Arena. And that featured yep. uh, the Onslaught Cornerstone Ravenous Baloth and the Mirrodin All-Star uh, Molder Slug on the top end, as yep. well as Arc Slogger. Uh, and I'm just rattling off cards, so I'm not going to bring any of these up because they're, at this point in time, all fairly vanilla and reprinted a bunch, right? Yeah. And the format's kind of interesting for that fall when Mirrodin is released. But then we get Darksteel. And with Darksteel oh boy. comes Blink Moth Nexus. Brings Arcbound Ravager. It brings Aether Vial. 
and it brings a card called Slowbad. Now, Shrapnel Blast and Thoughtcast, Chromatic Sphere, were all in Mirrodin. But what this allowed the, the Affinity deck to do is move away from uh, Broodstar, this big plotting uh, flyer. This one, this one I'll bring up. Because this was a deck, I think Todd Anderson actually won uh, a Natsar uh, Regionals with it. Yeah. And it took this uh, big galumpy creature, this Grixis deck, essentially, and supercharged it. And it made this, this turn three or turn four deck thanks to an extremely uh, low curve. Uh, all the lands in the deck were artifacts to begin with. So you had all five artifact, all five colors of artifact lands available to you, including Darkseal Citadel and uh, Blinkbot Nexus on top of that. And yeah. your Disciple of a Vault, uh, one black, one one, whenever an artifact is put into your graveyard from play, you uh, deal one damage, your target player loses one life, either one. And that made Shrapnel Blast deal six damage. Every artifact you sacrifice to artifact, uh, Arcbound Ravager now deals uh, one damage each, and you would basically just swing in, sack your board, win. This is a turn three or turn four format. Yeah, this it was is, great. It, Wizards has never made mistakes. Never. This is probably one of the fastest creature based standards up to that point. Goblins might have been a little faster with Patriarch spinning because you could yeah. play Goblin Sharpshooter Shenanigans, which is exactly the same thing. Goblin Sharpshooter yeah. allows you to... You, you tap it, you deal one damage, but it doesn't untap. But whenever a goblin you control is put into the graveyard for play, you get to untap it. So you would sacrifice all your goblins to Skirk Prospector, a card that was just reprinted in Dominaria, and just ping your opponent mm -hmm. out. Patriarch's Bidding allows you to bring all your goblins back for a 3-2 black. You just choose... The creature type goblins, bring it all back, do it again. That's that. It was great. It's a good yeah. middle school deck. It is. So you're, we were looking at a turn three, a turn four standard into another turn three, turn four standard. Well, yeah. At, at the end of this, what we got was going to be the cornerstone of two futures worth of standards. Kamigawa block. Yeah. Kamigawa block brought nothing to any of the established archetypes and standard except tooth and nail yeah uh and then betrayers happened and there's an article that was done long long ago uh, which i had to dig up titled how to sneak overpowered cards past development mm -hmm. and one of the things they talk about is seemingly innocuous colorless artifacts and the example they give specifically is Sensei's Divining Top and how it goes into literally every single deck and extended. Had it been white, different story. And then the very next one they say is last minute changes. So originally, the way that JIT was worded prior to Devin Lowe or whoever was developing at the time making a change, or Devin, sorry, uh, the charge counters, you could give equipped creature plus two, plus two, or you could gain two life, or you could add two black mana to your mana pool. That was it. Those were the three options. And they decided, eh, this is really not great. We're already in the templating phase, though, so we can't test it anymore. Let's have it give minus one, minus one counters. And that being introduced to standard, while it didn't give any specific archetype anything, it gave... Every archetype something. This is actually uh, foreshadowing for something that happens in Worldwake. But what, what I want to touch on is that 
while Myriad is in standard, after Onslaught rotates out and you have this insane block starting, they have to ban Skull Clamp in June of 2014. June of yes. 2014, remember that. So, uh, or, yeah, somewhere around there. No, sorry, 2004, not 2014. Oh my god. Yeah, June, yeah sorry, 2004. 2004. Skull yeah, Clamp yeah. is banned. And yep. an article goes up about Skull Clamp and its iterations. But what happened to the Skull Clamp? Last minute change to give the creature plus one, minus one. Then, yep. so that's June. In March, we go almost a full year. Kamigawa Block, I believe, has hit standard. It's just about ready to go. Uh, Betrayers had come out, I think. That was the second block, so... I think that was we're, it, yeah. We're two months into Kamigawa having two sets in standard, and Mirrodin's still overpowering. They ban Arcbound Ravager, Disciple of the Vault, Darksteel Citadel, Ancient Den, Great Furnace, See the Sun, Treat of Tales, Vault of Whispers. That's one, two creatures and six lands to stop one deck because the next block in two sets was so low power it had no impact yeah right so then what happens we have the format slows down sakura tribaler can do a little more you have um people playing the uh, the the kitsunes in the set uh nine tails becomes a thing um yeah and the format slows down and becomes a uh, Sway the Star control deck style format. Un Those were the days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except for Jite. And this is the branch off the conversation. Jite foreshadows something that happens later on, where even control decks have to play Jite to deal with Jite. Yep. Without that, aggressive decks are too powerful. But the important thing here is that Without that initial banning, Mirrodin would still be running the show here. Yeah. People left at Kamigawa Block. The lore was weird. It was unrelatable. The art was okay. The direction seemed terrible. Yeah. It was... And, and that relationship between Kamigawa Block going... Or Mirrodin Block going into Kamigawa was also foreshadowed with a more recent example of Kaladesh and Amonkhet. Mm -hmm. uh, we had way too many bannings in Standard. And if you recall, going on at that time was also, what, five, no, three changes in 16 months for how rotation worked? Something like that. I spent half an hour tonight trying to figure out what rotations looked like through that time period and at what point yeah. things changed using set code yeah. names and the weirdest gif I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, and the interesting thing is that, you know, they they banned all these cards in Kaladesh and said, don't worry, we've designed cards with answers. And that's okay, because we have answers and that's good. Except that the power level drop-off from Aether Revolt to Amonkhet was drastic mm -hmm. to the point that attendance dropped because not because the format was so bad the format was fine but because it was so so low power level compared to what they had just dealt with yep that they just didn't care so one of the things i was thinking about before we did this was the marquee card was nicol bolas god pharaoh that's the marquee yep. card of the set okay 
How many events did this win? <clears throat> I think maybe a week one event or a week two event. Yeah. After that, this set was the Scarab God. Yep. The end. And, and that, that was an hour. That wasn't even an Amonkhet. That yeah. wasn't until we hit hour. Yeah, and uh, the Earthshakers. The, uh, yeah. Right. So Earthshaker, there, Kenra, yeah. that stuff. There, yeah. there are some knickknacks that made it in, yeah. definitely, across the board. But it was like Kamigawa. It wasn't as omnipresent as they needed it to be for a set that this dumb sketch that I have right here on the screens shows would be the yeah. beginning block of a new standard, granted 18 months after its release, somewhere in there between 12 and 18, because yeah. that was the cycle. Uh, yeah. This was the cons of Tarkir rotation change into from a three-set block into a two-set block. Yeah. Right? So that's what we're looking at. It's basically uh, somewhere around War of the Spark-ish. Uh, there was a set called Cookies, codenamed Cookies, that was going to yeah. come out after war, and somewhere in there, that would rotate standard. So, Amonkhet would have been our base level. That would have been our reset to fix the power creep. Yeah. Instead, what we had was another set that needed draw with the invocations, but was overall underwhelming. Without those invocations, the ROI on boxes is poop. Real bad. And even now, uh, a lot of those invocations are real bad, price-wise. I don't think they're as bad as the Battle for Zendikar Expeditions. Yeah. But you have some real bad invocation prices. So Real bad. There's nothing redeeming in this set because of the way things worked. Coming out of that high-power standard. So... Again, we saw a uh, tournament attendance drop because the tournaments it, for the previous six-ish months, maybe nine, it was the same. It was just another Xerox standard of we're playing uh, Marvel now, we're playing Teamer Energy now, we're playing Mardu Vehicles now, we're playing uh, Black Green Constrictor now. And that was it. It was Xerox tournament results yep. this entire time. Amonka did nothing to shake that up. It took a handful of bannings on both ends of the set and Rivals of Ixalan to actually make Amonkhet a playable set, and even then yep. it didn't really show up. Uh, the, it showed up a little more towards the end when people were playing the Green Earthshaker. Yeah. Like when Once that popped up in standard, Amonkhet had a little bit uh, better of a footing, and when you were able to use Combat Celebrant to yeah. uh, take extra turns, but that required a bunch of cards from Ixalan to make work. So, like, it really required that next set, as planned, to kind of go. But with tournament attendance waning, that was bad for finance. There was a stagnation everywhere. It was impossible yeah. to move cards locally if nobody's playing. You know, things like Rasko's Contempt sit at $10, $12, $15 because the people that play in events need that card, but nobody's buying, so it's just scarce. Comparatively yep, it's speaking, just sitting there. to when Magic is a little more popular because things are good. Yeah. So why bring this up? Because somewhere prior to between all the hoopla over Oko and Theros, Watsi said, "2020 is juiced." Yep. Right. It's it's going to be juiced. So we yeah. can go back and we can pull parallels from what we've seen previously. Okay. Well, with you know, uh, Kaladesh, etc. Then a little bit prior to that. So it was. I have this written down. Uh, Shadows over Innistrad, Eldritch Moon, and a power level, but BFC was ridiculous with Gideon, etc. 
Yeah. Right. So we had a run up and then a stark drop. We and people just fell out of the game because it wasn't being curated properly, and low powered standard people generally check out of. It's not interesting. Even pre releases are boring for low powered sets. Right? Yeah. So we can we can look to that and say okay the fall might be pretty difficult after one two three or the, uh, yeah fall into winter might be pretty difficult because we're going to come into a low a low powered standard after this. Yeah. You know. It might be the time to move out of standard holdings into other formats, shift your assets around. Or you go back even further and you say, okay, well, what happened prior to this? Well, the two times it happened prior to this in artifact-heavy blocks, it was just strict bannings that made standard playable. Yeah, it was pretty bad. They, they took a heavy hand, albeit a little late with Mirrodin. They were fairly heavy-handed, right? So that was... Six lands and two creatures and one banning, so it's eight cards. Skull Clamp prior to that, it's nine cards just out of two sets. Right? The majority of them actually came from Mirrodin. This, uh, the lands, five lands, one, two, yeah, seven cards came out of Mirrodin itself. Yeah. Right? It was uh, Ravager and Skull Clamp that came out of Dark Seal. Everything else was uh, Mirrodin. Yeah. Oh, and the Citadel. So, seven and three, six and three. This is what we're going to see. We're, yeah. We're going to see Watsi curate the format, hopefully. Not curate it too late. Keep people interested. But we're going to see that hard drop. That would be nice. I also... It's interesting because I, I didn't see anything related to, like, attendance in GPs at that point. But looking at recent GPs, attendance, it's no secret, has been garbage well, for a year now. Well, absolutely. But... Um... I'm pretty sure there's an article out. It might be in the Skull Clamp banning that talks about tournament attendance with Affinity in the format. Yeah. Affinity pushed people out. Not the same way Cobbley did, but differently. Yeah, uh, but it did the same thing. And very similar, you know, we saw people go away from standards. But now, all of a sudden, we have a sold-out limited GP. Granted, sold-out is 1,400 people, which is... Uh, whatever, I guess. Mm -hmm. Not real. Um, and that makes it a little bit different. But what this means, like in my opinion, so we have what I presume is going to be a curated standard. On top of that, you have all of a sudden a million extra products that are coming out as of uh ikora we're gonna have commander decks uh planeswalker decks uh we're just gonna have everything have yep. everything we're gonna have i think it's two more commander products one of them will be the mono green eight card thing yeah uh, one of them's gonna be like the commander draft set yeah uh, every card all legends all the time basically yeah. Those are the two that I remember off the top of my head that, that are coming. I don't know the timing on them. Yeah. Um, but it's it's going to be interesting to see what that does to wallet fatigue because you've got wallet fatigue that you're dealing with, but also player fatigue because players are, you know, we've had years and years and years and years of bad standards at this point. Yep. And we had a good six-month treat where we had good standard, well, three months really, and then War of the Spark hit. Um, but 
we're going to have some mediocre standards for a little bit. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see how that's going to affect things because I think that, you know, you'll continue to see prices tank. I think that's just inevitable at this point. Yep. Uh, right now, the because of the uh, the ratios on everything, what was it, on Scryglass, I think over the weekend, the value of a box of Theros was well under MSRP. So it's like somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 to 70. Yeah, it was just bad. Be, just because of the, the, the ratios. And I think... Um, uh, James Chilcott posted the ratios that uh, his guys in the EU were seeing and the numbers compared to uh, Eldrain and basically everything was just doubled across the board. Yeah. And we we, we got similar numbers from our, our data when you guys cracked on when, like last Wednesday or Thursday and it yeah. corroborated. You know, this is... It, it's a different style of printing but it's... Uh, a little more liberal. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because with the print runs being so high on these alternate formats, like it's it seems like despite all of their efforts, they have just done everything they can to wreck yeah. the secondary market. Right. So I'm going to uh, sorry, pause with a question here because this is my main concern is that when you have these standards that are, you know, overpowering you wind up with cards banned over time. And we've already seen that. We've, we already have bans in this standard. If things go the way they do and the, the rest of this standard is going to be juiced, there is the likelihood that we see more cards banned. Are you, yeah. are, would you be more worried about card, about Watsi being more liberal with their bannings and seeing them happen faster or seeing them come later on after people have played the format long enough a la Reflector Mage and Jace the Mind Sculptor. I think especially with the way they have keyed up this new ban-restricted structure with whenever they want, and based on what they said in, excuse me, the uh, announcement, they want to do this as quickly as possible. Yep. So I think they will be more aggressive with the bands than they have been in the past. Okay. So continue on the op-ed here because this is really just a lot of player sentiment style questions. Yeah. More bannings, faster bannings doesn't always make for good player sentiment within standard, but neither does letting, you know, uh, something fester for too long. Yeah. The longer something sits there and takes over a format, it becomes more expensive. So you have that problem as well. Yeah. Do you think... More bannings, faster bannings, you know, Watsi being a little more heavy-handed in this effort, is worse for standard for players. So, I think, realistically, I think it is only better. I do, however, think that what you will see is... People will snap react. They'll knee-jerk react like they always do, mm -hmm. saying, oh, it's terrible, you banned my, you know, whatever basically, deck. whatever deck, yeah, uh, whatever format, whatever, blah, 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 the case may be. But that is, I think, eventually going to give way to 
a more like mm, reasoned approach afterwards. Okay. That's skeptical, I know, because I'm saying that people on the internet will have sense, and that's not how this works. Or at Anyways, Watsi, but here we are. Yeah, or, or at Watsi, yes. Um, I think that overall I do have more faith in the internet than I do Watsi, which is hilarious. Um, but I think that, you know, what you'll see is as time goes by, people will likely just come to terms with it and be like, look, I, it sucks. That's the life. Yep. And, you know, what are we going to do about it? Nothing. You just got to deal with it. You're not going to stop playing the game. You're not going to sell your collection. So shut up. I, it's just, you're, yeah. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, people can, will bitch and moan about it, but then they'll, you'll catch them performing the same actions or doing or watching the same things, etc. Yeah. It, it always happens. People are creatures of habits, and it's hard to put down the addiction. It really is. Yeah. I would like to see a standard format that is governed a little more. Uh, than, than we have in the past. I would rather than be uh, err on the side of speed than yeah. on the side of player sentiment, uh, special, especially when it comes to finances. I'm sure yeah. they know, based on the number of uh, tweets and emails they get, that the longer they wait and the more these cards go up, the worse it is for players overall. Yeah. But that also has the additional side effect of changing the way finance works with standard as a whole. Yeah. It makes standard a little more pump and dump. Because anything that gets too powerful has the ability to just get knocked down. Exactly. And it right. means possibly shifting your positions from standard into older formats, something like Pioneer or Modern. Yeah. You know, Oko kind of got an, uh, an interesting treatment, lasting longer in standard than it did in... or Sorry, Modern. Last, lasting yeah. longer in Modern than it did in Pioneer. And based on the... The age of both formats is kind of interesting. I guess they, they thought there were more answers in modern. We just printed Force of Negation. We'll see how things go. Yeah. And, you know, Oga got to ride that train for a little while longer. And we'll see uh, how long uh, it is. Yeah, maybe. <clears throat> maybe the new finance model for Standard. It, uh, if during the, the year 2020, when things are just going to be revved up. Yeah. Because we're a week into... There are standard, essentially, and there are a handful of results out, none of which I've actually looked at. Yeah. You, know, you can figure things out after uh, Theros, maybe four or five weeks in, see what's kind of overpowering, and then decide, well, maybe it, it really is pump and dump, or maybe we're not going to see a lot of bannings overall now with Oko. Maybe that was not the tip of the iceberg. Maybe that was yeah. actually the bottom of the iceberg. You know, maybe everything is is above above water here, and it's just going to be pushed cards but not too pushed yeah i and it's interesting to me because now we've had a consistent design team test team i don't know exactly what they do but it sucks whatever it is anyways now that we've had this consistent mediocrity from that department we've actually seen the full breadth mm -hmm. of what they've done starting with amonkhet and how bad it was so if you if you take a look at this and you see how it's been, you get a little bit of an idea that we're going to get some consistent mediocrity here, be it from governing, be it from design, because nobody thought Oko at three mana was busted. 
people didn't catch the Heliod walking ballista combo for Pioneer and set design, I guess. I don't know. But I think that example-wise, if you're trying to draw your own conclusions, take a look at just the last couple years. And I think that's going to be more what you're looking for, which is bad news. It's only bad news. <laughs> that doesn't make it any better. Um, but I, I think, you know, it's it's going to be a very interesting time because financially this is unlike any time we've ever had in the history of Magic. Yeah. Uh, we've got higher print runs. We've got more foils. We've got bans whenever we want them on demand, just wine enough on the internet, and I guarantee wizards will come around. That's what okay. they do now. Just tee it up. The other thing that is impressive is they've been very upfront about the power level this coming year, which puts us in a unique situation. Yes. So that, that to me, that actually makes a world of difference. Yeah. If I thought the rest of this year was going to be as mediocre in terms of power level as we've had over the last few then my positions would have stayed the same. As it stands, yeah. I'm moving out of a bunch of standard stuff that is not legacy and older playable to pick up cards that I need to play the waning format that is modern for the time yep. being that is. And older. Okay, yeah. I, I just got my first Oko on Friday because I wasn't playing standard and I thought that card was way too expensive at $60. And then once it hit 60 it was just a matter of time because that means yeah. it's pervasive and Watsi can't have that in standard. Nope. Same feeling I have with Uro. That card yeah. just slots into the Oko slot in uh, Snowblade in Modern. Uh, in the Simic Ramp deck, it slots right in. You can play it alongside Titan in any other deck you want. I don't think that card is long for any world that is in standard. Yeah. Card yeah. is very good. Yeah. And that hate, that was kind of like helped shape my worldview for where standard is right now. Yeah, but more importantly, it's changed my position on finance. So instead of yeah. just going to my modern store and moving cards around there, you know, I'll take what I open in standard and go to the standard store. The people that want to play standard, the people the, the people need those cards, so I can get out of that position as quickly as yeah. the, as is necessary. You know, I don't know if Heliod's going or Walking Ballista's going but I have my set of Ballistas and I have a bunch of Heliods and I'd rather be out the Heliods than the Ballistas. Yeah. Because I can play Ballistas elsewhere. You know? Yeah. Sure can. And I don't need a bunch of Heliods. So, out to standard players. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. And this is one of those times where being informed is super helpful. So. For sure. That, to me, that, that's that's the key here. This is what actually allows us to change the way we work within finance. This is what matters more now compared to the other times where we've had this insane power creep and drop off to nothing. We didn't know it was coming. Yeah. We we only saw it during previews of you know one set, two sets, and then we realized that that's what happened. We never got the memo on it. So this yeah. is really important, you know. But think because we wanted to wrap this up since we're burning the midnight oil quite literally yes we're gonna go screaming on to picks uh, if you want to start us off there with your thrilling yes. so uh, probably a little bit out of left field but it goes with my pick last year's sacred guide so i am going for the legend from the new set 
excuse me, uh, Cyana. So the reason I picked this is because similar to Sacred Guide, uh, it really helps a lot with Hulk lines. It's really good in CEDH, and I legitimately think it has game in regular EDH. Okay. Not only does it help in the CDH side with, you know, Hulk lines, everything else, but legitimately it fits in with a popular theme mm -hmm. that obviously Wizards is fine going back to the well on again, and that's enchantments. Yeah. Uh, that is something that Wizards has, you know, beat the drum as much as they can, and that's great. Good. I'm, I am happy, happy that they are doing that. Yes. Uh, because it's the type of thing that is only going to get better the longer it goes. Uh, additionally, especially with foils, uh, you're looking at a very low barrier of entry here to start with. And, you know, admittedly, maybe only go like 20, 30 deep, whatever. Yeah, let me inspect uh, That's right. You're yeah. looking at foils, not the, not the regular price. Yeah. Um, but you do that and... You know, you get 20 to 30, you're fine, you're at a low barrier of entry, and you can just stick them in a box and forget about them. Yeah. Because similar to, like, Razaketh, for example, which was a site that, or sorry, a card that existed, and it was there at, like, a 3 to $5 price point for a while, and then all of a sudden you wake up one day, and it's exploded all over the place. Uh, that is the type of thing that I think you're going to find with this. Mm -hmm. It is going to sit there for a while and i think that one day you'll wake up and you'll just be like oh well man this is this is real yeah all of a sudden it's gone way up in price and it's the type of thing that especially being an uncommon people are going to forget about it it's just how it is oh definitely let me check um i mean it just got reprinted but heliod's pilgrim didn't that go up to yep. several dollars and it all it just tutors and uh an aura yeah. which is technically a little bit better yeah, um, and that's basically the same thing. Yeah, you know this one uh, looks at the top seven, which is basically a pseudo dig through time, and then you have the additional clause of whenever you're attaching an aura to a creature you control, you get to make a little little duder. And, yeah, you know that that's not that great, but in a deck that wants to combo with auras, or in a deck that's just playing aggressive auras, you know this is a card you're going to slide into the ninety nine one hundred percent of the time because it does something you need it to do. That's yeah. the important part, right? So I, I like the card overall. I, I, I like the spec. The quantity is what I'm kind of curious about. Just if I was going to move in, I just don't know what my position would be. Yeah, um, and that's fair. I, I, I like your number, definitely, and I, I lucked into a Heliod's Pilgrim just because I cracked it. So, oh, nice, yeah. Like I, I've had that for a while, and I'm always surprised when I see the price on it. So yeah. to me, it's... It's in a similar, similar spot, and if it is worth moving into, definitely, you know, quantity yeah. up to the individual, and it's worth keeping an eye on, especially now that we're after release, we're in basically max quantity stage, yeah, for the next couple of weeks. So unless something just blows up in standard, there's no reason to get this card anytime between now and two weeks from now. It should just yeah. Hover or drop a little bit, and then you move in and add around a dollar, and you're golden. Like you said, you just toss it into a box, forget it, and be happy when you find it later on. Yeah, yeah. which is a pretty good spot to be in. Yeah, absolutely. 
it's a good color color combination for EDH as well on that style of who of a who Hari. You know, Bant is pretty popular yeah. for that. Or you can go uh, Naya if you need to. Use yeah. Chonkers in those colors. Oh, chonkers. Hell yeah. Uh, my card this week is not an EDH card. This is a Pioneer card. I know some people have been asking us to talk about Pioneer, and I finally have a little bit of uh, insight. Not much, but a little bit. So, uh, with the change to the format after the bannings, we're seeing a number of older decks surface. And the one that I like in particular, and I always take note of when it pops up, is Jeskai Ascendancy. Which is basically just four-color win with Sylvan Awakening. Yep. So... Ascendancy already has price memory stuck to it. But, so if you could have got in when Todd Anderson started streaming the deck again uh, last week, on the 22nd, about a week ago to the day, yeah, you know you could have probably picked up Ascendancies on the cheap. And that just leaves Sylvan Awakening as kind of the low-hanging fruit of that deck. Uh, the time yeah. I moved in was about 40 cents, so it hasn't gone up that much, and I don't remember what foils were, but right now they're $1.50, which is, you know, cherry for effectively a three of or four of Killcon in this deck yeah um, it's not the per it's not the premier combo deck in the format but it is a very good deck overall and it's also a very unique card compared to the other cards that do something similar yeah rude awakening is uh basically the exact same card with entwine uh, you can either untap all your lands or you make them two twos and if you pay the entwine you get both however it doesn't give the indestructibility clause or haste yeah and there's uh, a much older version of the card. It's not, I think, Living Plane. Is that one of them? Yeah. Kamal, Fist of Crozo. You can pay a green to turn the forest into a 1-1. One, one. There are a number of cards that make 1-1s, one, but they don't give Indestructible or Haste. Reach is whatever. This card's a sorcery. It's useless. Yeah. You're going to turn your lands into creatures. You're swinging. You know, wadow. Coat of Arms, your islands are swole. You know, it is what it is in that regard. This is... A card that slots into anything that wants to kill with their lands. If it's a control deck in EDH, it just has a bunch of lands left over. You know, get Frog Monster. That's basically what you do. You just blow out your lands. You just crush in for the win that way. Or yep. it sticks in Ascendancy or something else goofy in Pioneer. And it takes off. Like I said, 40 cents was my, my entry point. I've picked up, I don't know, 20 or 30 something sitting over here. And it's a card I believe in in the long term. You know? Yeah. This is a non-unique card in terms of naming, non-unique card in terms of overall effect, aside from the keywords. So while I am afraid of a reprint, like some of the cards that I picked, Sunbird's Invocation in particular, I've got hoisted on uh, via reprints. Unless this comes in a promo pack, one of the FNM ones, I don't see this card being reprinted anytime soon. It's not yeah. high impact enough for a master set. It could be in another Lands Matters EDH style deck, uh, like the Jund one that came out a couple of years ago. For sure. But aside from that, this is just a safe hold. And people still have these in their binders because they were bulk then. They're t kind of bulk now. And they are from a set that just rotated. Yeah. So I like these as very low-hanging fruit for what I think might be a cornerstone deck of a brand new format moving forward. Yeah. I, I really like the post-rotation penny stock yeah. uh, move, especially on stuff like this because it is such a... EDH casual friendly effect. 
uh, and like in a new format, you never know if something's going to come out because periodically, you know, Wizards just prints lands matter stuff out of nowhere and all of a sudden it explodes for a hot minute and you're like, oh, well, I, I guess I should have should have had some of those sitting around get wrecked. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah I, I like it. Thank you. So uh, that's going to be it for this week, guys. We'll be back in like four days or something, depending on what time we go to bed. All right, One more pick. Super Bowl. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm still going with the Chiefs. Okay. You're still going with the Chiefs? Yeah. All right. I am also going for the Chiefs, not because I'm from St. Louis, but uh, because I think that they match up better. I also genuinely oh, yeah. firmly believe this game will be much closer than everyone else seems to think it will. I see, That's the only thing I, I disagree, and I think the Chiefs are just going to offensively take over. I'm ho- if their defense can hold up, I think the offense just runs over the Niners. But it's all, it's all on the defense. I, I don't think the, the Niners are going to be able to run the same uh, sack game that they have been all year against the Chiefs that's with, fair. with two weeks off. I, don't, I think that surprise is gone. That's fair. But, all right. We'll see you next week. Yep. Thanks, guys. See you. Cool.